Well, hey everyone, welcome back to Bottomless Coffee Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another great conversation. And this one's going to be really fun for me because my challenge, uh, I think, will be to knock it on a soapbox and rant for an hour. And here's why. Today we are talking with Tom Wheeler about advocacy and business. Tom is in real estate and has two real estate companies. One business is called Home Found Boise and is based in Idaho. The other is called Wheeler Group and is based in Minnesota. Now they're the same type of business, but they have, but there are noticeably fewer LGBTQ protections in Idaho than there are in Minnesota. And that has led to some interesting dynamics that we're gonna explore. So, hey Tom, how you doing? Hey, hey Jerome. Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So we're talking discrimination. Mm. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to let you speak. <laughs> and I, I want to say I can totally relate to you, you know, your intention to not get on the soapbox because I feel like that's hard not to do. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned being a business owner, a real estate business owner, both in Minnesota and Idaho. When I made the transition to Idaho, that became so much tougher because of the lack of overall representation. I mean, I think Idaho is one of the highest um, homogenous populations mm. in the um, country. So it was a shocker to land in Idaho and see, you know, such a lack of representation. And with that, a lack of representation in real estate. And so I'm so glad we could get together and, and have a conversation and bring awareness to the importance of advocacy and education in real estate. Now, you are really saying something when you say that going from Minnesota to Idaho led you to a shock and uh, how homogenous things were because mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, we've got a, a global audience and uh, at least when I was coming from Atlanta to Minnesota, I was like, oh, okay, things are really homogenous here. Um, mm. But even more so, in Idaho, and so it'll be really interesting to explore uh, yeah. those differences. Yeah, we'd love to have you out here. I go oh, back and cute. forth between Minnesota and Idaho to operate both the real estate companies, and my involvement in real estate in Minnesota started previous to Idaho. Um, I got licensed in real estate when I was a senior in high school mm. and was like, oh, I'll do real estate, and I thought it was all about you know, helping buyers find homes and sellers sell their homes, and of course, that's you know, that's the task at hand. However, yeah. I quickly learned what my passion was within the real estate field. And that was, you know, advocacy and education, because I saw how I could get involved, at least in Minnesota with the national, um, originally it was a nonprofit called the National um, Gay and Lesbian Real Estate Professionals. Okay. And that has since changed to the LGBTQ Real Estate Alliance, which is a nonprofit with a similar mission. And it's to um, educate and advocate for LGBTQ plus and underrepresented communities all across the nation. So there's chapters in every state and it's comprised of real estate related professionals. Oh. Um, but my involvement uh, in Minnesota with just some different board positions really inspired me. And um, so I worked in Minnesota for a couple of years and then made the transition to open my second sort of opportunity in real estate business and in, in Boise, because my partner is originally from here in Boise, and came out and was like, wow, I mean, we're far behind in Boise in comparison to the 
um, chambers of commerce and the support mm. systems that exist for um, advocacy and representation. And so I quickly was like, okay, this is, this is growing. And, and now here we are. Yeah. You're like, okay, I have some things to do. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and I've been doing it since I was 18. So I've got this. Um, just when you were 18 and you were just getting started, um, can you, do you happen to recall what it was that like fueled you to really get into advocacy at that time? Because you know, I imagine there are a lot of 18-year-olds who are like, oh, okay, I know this is a problem, but I don't really know what to do or don't really know how to go about doing it. And so what kind of led you to think, okay, let me research this a little bit and see uh, how I can get involved? Yeah, you know, I think what got me into real estate initially, I mean, I had, my mom was a, a mortgage loan officer for a while, so I kind of grew up with that lingo, but um, I also realized pretty early in, in my life that I didn't fit in with the rest of the kids. Hmm. You know, I loved um, more effeminate things. And so I came out to my family and friends. Um, I think it was like freshman or sophomore year of high school. And I was playing okay. sports and I was like involved in the more like hyper-masculine settings. But I was like, hmm, this isn't for me. Came out as gay. And yeah. that became a really driving force in doing something different. Like I, it allowed me to see things in a different light and really be able to realize that I was in the driver's seat of how, you know, my life was going to be. I had two choices to be upset by, you know, how, you know, why me? I have a fraternal twin brother who is straight. So oh. it was just very high contrast. Like yeah. clearly we were, we were different. And so, you know, that, Coming out as gay um, at a young age in high school, I quickly realized that I wanted to do something like it just fueled me. And so I got my real estate license and I was driven by the passion to, um, I don't know if it was to prove myself or mm -hmm. to get some sort of validation that I had worth and that was equating to what I generated in yes. business or something. Um, you know, I'm still working through things with the therapist, like, aren't we all, but, um, okay, it, was, okay. it was, yeah, it was like a huge driving force. And with that experience, uh, you know, I had a little bit of success early on and that just kind of continued to feel the fire. And as we were kind of speaking prior to getting on air, you know, I struggled with finding that balance of like, how do I be my authentic self in my career as a realtor? and share that with the people that I serve in the communities that I serve. And I came mm -hmm. to this realization just as I had done in my personal life, like I have to be authentic with myself and I have to be authentic also in my work with the people I work with. And so that led to, you know, being more upfront about my sexuality, both, you know, publicly and, and marketing. So I started yeah. working with more LGBTQ people and I realized just like, I found safe spaces with fellow LGBTQ people. I found with clients that when we were all together, there was this level of safety and security in a process that's so huge for most people that I utilize that as, wow, there's something here. You know, the, yeah. the joy and, and gratitude that I got from assisting an LGBTQ couple or even just a really amazing ally, right? Yeah. Into finding a place, calling it home and, um, you know, also what that meant for the community. And that was uh, super motivating and just kind yes. of continued to gain momentum. 
Oh, that's so interesting because, you know, I talk to a lot of people who are um, kind of motivated in a similar way and everyone has their own unique something for what really drove them to get almost pushed through or over or around the opposition or resistance they were experiencing when they realized their that like being their authentic self meant that they were going to uh, encounter opposition. Now, unfortunately, it's kind of the nature of the platform. I really only get to talk to people who make it through and then achieve at least some level of success where they're like, yeah, I have a message. I can, I'm very comfortable getting on air, getting on TV and talking about it. Right. Um, but I always mm -hmm. love to hear people's answers to that question because I hope, hopefully it really inspires people who are listening and who are thinking that they may, might not be able to get through that, you know, it, it really does get better. And in, in this totally. case, it's very apt. That's appropriate. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, I'm, I'm really into yoga. And so one of the things oh. they say in yoga is find your edge. And on the opposite side of your edge, like that fear place is this, you know, unlocked potential and freedom. And I think that's so mm -hmm. true. Like what scares us is there's something there. So I totally agree. Fabulous. Okay. So that on that high point, now we're going to talk about discrimination. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. let's get into it let us get into it and so let's let we'll baseline it um and i think this is a fair question to ask a realtor uh, why is housing important like why is it such an important thing that we have to protect people from being discriminated uh, when it comes to housing right yeah and i i mean housing is the number one builder of wealth for anybody you know statistically speaking anyone that owns a home is is likely to have a more a higher net worth mm -hmm. um, more of a financial understanding and with that there's the education piece of um, you know financial literacy and a lot of us for whatever reason we go through all these courses in school and high school and college and we never learn about interest rates and credit scores and mortgages and these yeah. different things that are super important and so it's super important for everyone to at least have equal access to financial literacy, education opportunities. So at least everyone can know what options are out there and mm -hmm. have people who are willing to take the time to, to do that education. Um, I say that so much of our business is like flashy and everyone wants the, you know, everyone wants to be on Netflix selling sunset <laughs> and no one gets to sell sunset without doing a lot of legwork. Um, and, and doing things that are impactful, you know, you don't wake up one day and you sell million dollar listings and maybe that's someone's goal. But my goal, when I think is more purposeful and more fulfilling is seeing a community of people or a room of people, uh, have an aha moment when there's information shared on, you know, credit score or how simple it really can be to purchase a home and then have that person close on the home and, yeah having never owned a home, you know, show their kids like, here's a home and here's what we can do. And it's just, it's so huge. I think so much starts with home mm -hmm. and we as realtors uh, have a huge, huge responsibility in the role that we play with the community. And so many realtors don't take that as seriously. Um, yeah. You know, we, we have our continuing education and our education requirements. And we have our fair housing courses that go over the basics of how to avoid making discriminatory comments while showing a home or these different things. But it's 
you know, oftentimes in the context of a text or, or in passing a quiz or something for your hmm. CE requirement, uh, not often is it really put into practice so much. At yeah. least that's what I feel. And so um, I think it's just really important that everyone gets a fair shot at the access to the information and then the opportunity to take the steps to achieve homeownership. And I, I think right at the beginning, you said something that a lot of people who don't own a home won't understand. Um, when we say it is homeownership is like a key to building wealth, uh, it, it that is not a joke. <laughs> We're talking like uh, 10, I think a 10 to 15% year over year increase in the value of a home just over this past calendar year. Um, and so when you're looking at $100,000, $200,000, $300,000, that's a lot of money. And it so far, it just keeps going up, up, up. Um, mm -hmm. Home values now are even higher than they were uh, during that bubble that some of us might remember um, back in the right. day in like 2014, I think. <laughs> or maybe, yeah, no, 2008, I mean, 2008. 2008, yeah, <laughs> definitely, yeah. Yeah, and so when we're talking about discrimination, like for me, um, it's like you, LGBTQ person, you black person, you do not have access to build this wealth. Um, and so, you know, I try to keep money on my mind and make sure people get it. <laughs> right. And this is one thing, you know, that's just like at the core of what I do in my business. I mean, I'm rewriting the, the fair housing course here in Idaho with the local real estate association. And I'm putting on quarterly educational events um, here in Idaho and in Minnesota, both to serve the same purpose of, of allowing people to have free access to the information, because at the end of the day, you know, if you have a credit score, which is starting a starting point, and if you mm -hmm. don't, there's another conversation, but if you have a credit score, there's a few things you can do to increase the credit score. And then if you have a consistent income, no matter what it is, there's usually some flexibility, but there's a lot of programs that are offered both in Minnesota and Idaho that assist people with down payment, down payment assistance, um, you know, financial literacy, there's all these programs that uh, banks, credit unions, and lenders will offer to people, um, but they're just not marketed, or they're not they're not like a flashy thing that you see on, a, on an Instagram ad, and you're like, oh, let me learn how to buy a house for less than $2,000, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, cer certainly, I wouldn't. I don't even know if I would trust that ad if I saw that ad. Actually, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, that's where like all of our attention is, right? It's yeah. Like, how do I get the attention of people who maybe are in a you know situation where they've just continued to rent and rent has gone up, and maybe they've had some discriminatory things occur, but they don't have much recourse because their mm -hmm. finances are so tied into just making that rent payment. I mean, you know, that's, it's a very real thing for so many people and, um, yeah, getting someone the access to, um, have the conversation and start the process is huge. And that is, um, so I was doing some reading on discrimination this morning and we were kind of, uh, we, me in the article, we were talking about, uh, kind of explicit, uh, discrimination that maybe we would have been, um, we more exposed to in the past and kind of uh, implicit bias or um, less explicit discrimination where you don't advertise access to those low cost uh, programs to certain populations. 
either because, you know, in your mind, you don't think about it, or it maybe seems more profitable to uh, advertise those programs to other populations. Um, and so, you know, we are going to get into discrimination just a little bit more, particularly with the LGBTQ community uh, in Idaho. Now, you sent over a statement from the Human Rights Campaign, uh, kind of notifying that, like, in Idaho, it's almost like a no man's land when it comes mm -hmm. to uh, LGBTQ protections. Um, we know there is no federal law protecting our community and housing. Um, Minnesota does have a law protecting the LGBTQ community against housing discrimination, but there, there is no similar law in Idaho. And so you got there and you saw some stuff. So what are some of the, what are some of the things that you've seen or maybe even experienced yourself? I don't know. Yeah, no. And I, it, until you're in a city or a location where those protections don't exist, even if they're not something that you see like right, you know, in front of your face, you can sense them. And mm -hmm. I didn't realize that until I arrived here in Idaho that there's only a handful of, of local municipalities and cities that have protections for LGBTQ plus people on the basis of sexual orientation and gender, both in housing and employment. So I'm currently in Boise, which is Ada County. There are protections um, on the basis of sexual orientation and gender for employment and housing. But if you leave Ada County, which is only about 30 minutes in any direction, yeah. you'll be in an area where those protections don't exist. And therefore, renters and uh, employees, people looking for work, you know, can be openly discriminated against because of whatever reason, and there's no recourse. And again, you know, because of this the disparity of, of wealth for LGBTQ and underrepresented communities, those people oftentimes, there's not a lot of recourse. I mean, they're just trying mm -hmm. to find a job just like anybody else. And with that, we've partnered with some different organizations, but there's a few stories, you know, that really turned kind of my mission and fueled it there was one where i had i was with this brokerage that is only in the state of idaho and i started this nonprofit. it was i was member one in yeah. the state of idaho uh, the president of the lgbtq real estate alliance idaho chapter and the brokerage that i was at i brought it to them and said hey I'm looking to grow this. I would like to have a conversation with fellow agents to talk about, you know, how I can gain some members, both allyship and and maybe identify LGBTQ realtors because in this state, and you know, I'm here in a workplace, and I'm mm -hmm. like, who in my workplace is LGBTQ plus identifying that even has interest, and so many people like wouldn't identify, and so mm -hmm. that was like step one for me to to show that there is an LGBTQ realtor identifying and marketing themselves as such and um you know creating a space for that and the brokerage you know presented quite a few obstacles they were a little they weren't so much you know it wasn't like sure you know post on the facebook group let's get you out in front it, it was quite a few obstacles there were some resistance sure. um and so that was challenging and then <laughs> okay you know, hold on because yeah. we are gonna zero and we won't name any names <laughs> right <laughs> but you sensed <laughs> you sensed some resistance and so 
Um, can you describe like how you were able to identify that that resistance was bias based and not business based? Because maybe they were like, "Oh, this is Idaho. We don't see gay here." You know, it doesn't. It doesn't right, really right. matter. Um, yeah, or was it, was it like? Go ahead. I'm sorry. So it was like, you know, they had this Facebook page where all the realtors would communicate, and I thought, well, you know, let me make a post to get the word out of this nonprofit. And this yeah. is where it was a little gray, right? And that's where the gray is where discrimination happens or where, yes. you know, implicit, unbi- you know, bias happens. And it was they their response utilizing the Facebook page was that it was only for the purposes of these things. And this particular thing, you know, sharing this group wasn't within, hmm. it couldn't be shared in that context because then other people would be advertising different things. And so... I was like, okay, you know, yeah. I mean, um, so this is, they, and eventually we were mm-hmm. able to have a conversation, but, um, it was just eye opening. Um, that is eye opening. And I will say that I have, he- I've heard echoes of that type of objection in other stories in episode one of the show, our guest, Zaylor Stout is talking about how he wanted to start a black student union and and re- to study black history and in response uh Aryan people were like well why don't we get to study white history or what have you so this idea that if you start talking about um learning about the history of an oppressed people or uh broadcasting that there is a new group for people uh, like an affinity group let's say um, and that might right. become a slippery slope where you suddenly have to let anybody in um you know that's a tactic. That's a tactic. Yeah. 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 And it was, I mean, it, it, it was a realization for me. And so instead of trying to get the approval of the brokerage that I was working with, I'm like, I'm going to go to the real estate association, the mm. association, the largest real estate association in the state of Idaho, um, you know, is affiliated, of course, with National Association of Realtors. And I'm going to go to them and, and see what sort of affinity partnerships do they have. And I mean, you can guess there were none none and <laughs> and so i started having a conversation about how we're you know in all 50 states it's 501c6 you know gave them my spiel and um they were super supportive and they're like we support you and we came to an agreement of bullet points how we were going to support each other and that was monumental in being able to go to these brokerages and say hey we actually have the buy-in from the real estate association mm-hmm. um and we've since made other partnerships here in the state like that and so those uh, people and those steps have been integral in kind of turning the the and like the momentum. Like there's this, yeah. it almost is like this uh, domino block. And unfortunately, yeah. there's just been, not been a whole lot of presence of individuals and groups that have been able to to do that, at least in the real estate segment. But it's got to start mm-hmm. somewhere. One hundred percent agree. And I love that. Um, in this case, it's starting with you. And I think that's a really great uh, kind of example or maybe a thought process for other people. You know, you did it in Minnesota where you had a little bit more support um, getting started. And so when you moved to a location that had more resistance, you were like, no, I know this can happen. I know what life looks like and it can be a little bit different from what we've got going on here. Like you're telling me no, because you are speaking out of a place of ignorance. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let me show you what we can do. Uh, and so I'm really proud of you 
for doing that. Well done. Yeah, you know, I think there's, um, yeah, it, it's like a, going back to that that passion. It was almost like, and you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, in Minnesota there was support and it existed. So it was almost like, and and again, I recognize my cisgender privilege. Like I'm a white male, mm. and so I'm a I'm a part of the majority. And my LGBTQ status makes me somewhat of a minority within the majority. But I say that in all of my meetings with people because I'm sitting around a room of people who look like me having a conversation that they've never had before. Yeah. And so I have I have privilege in being able to sit there so that hopefully one day someone can take my position who doesn't look like me. And then we'll really start to see change on a higher level because then there yeah. will be someone who has a, a different experience, a different background. Um, and that's going to be so like, that's the point of community period. Yes. You know, and that's what we do as realtors. Uh, and there's so much studies that are taking place still today um, where they'll send in like wiretapped clients or consumers to different real estate offices uh -oh. and say, Hey, can you show me homes in this neighborhood? And it's, it is appalling how many realtors respond to someone of a different ethnicity and saying, hey, I need you to get pre-approved first versus mm. let's go see homes. Those studies are happening now all across the nation uh, and they're, it's, a, it's still a prevalent issue. Oh, okay. Fascinating. So that's a, that's a warning for anyone out there that's listening, uh, you know, raise an eyebrow if they ask for that pre-approval first. Um, let's take a coffee break. Uh, yeah. I am into it. Actually, I actually do need a refill. I have a little shortcut today. Uh, so we are going to be right back with Tom Wheeler from the Wheeler Group in Homefound, Idaho. Boise. Is Same it Boise thing. or Idaho? <laughs> it's Boise, but if you're in Idaho, I'll, I'll help you find it. Homefound <laughs> Boise in Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Bivalent boosters are now available. You can schedule your appointment through your primary care physician, or if you're in Minnesota, you can go to the state-run vaccination sites at the Mall of America in Duluth, St. Paul, Rochester, and Moorhead. Disability accommodations are available upon request at those state-run sites. Right now, most people are not up to date on their boosters and we need to turn that around as we go into the cold season. Please get boosted. You do not want COVID-19. It's just not worth the risk. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Hey everybody, we are back with Tom Wheeler from the Wheeler Group and Homefound Boise in Idaho. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about advocacy in business um, and maybe learn a little bit more about the organizations that Tom is involved in. Um, so you mentioned the LGBTQ Real Estate Alliance before. But there's also something called Encircle that's associated with that. So just tell us a little bit more about those two, if you don't mind. Absolutely. So Encircle is a nonprofit that originated in Salt Lake City, Utah. And they originated because of the high suicide rate of their LGBTQ youth. 
And so for those listeners that aren't aware of the LDS uh, faith or population, Mm -hmm. it's highly concentrated in Salt Lake City and just Utah in general. And so uh, I did not know much about the LDS faith until moving uh, to Boise and have never been super religious myself. And so moving out here and kind of learning more about the different faith-based communities and, um, you know, the, the things that were prevalent in their communities and circle is comprised of people who have since left the LDS faith because mm. of the uh, trauma they've experienced on their mental health and this and that. And so they originated this, this center that supported a home space for LGBTQ oh. youth and their first shelter was built right across the street from the largest temple in Utah, which of course was quite a bit of publicity. Like a Mormon um, temple? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. And and the concept was that kids that were going to church that maybe were like, you know, I need help, but couldn't get it from their family or their community yeah. could see a space. And so they had got quite a bit of recognition and have since expanded into different communities. Um, somehow we got connected. I think there was an individual here in Boise who said, Hey, you, there's this great nonprofit that you need to know about because I began researching, you know, who's out there doing the work in my area. And, uh, they had suggested in circle. And so we got connected and they're making their move to Boise, uh, a couple different locations in Idaho. And so when they reached out, it was perfect. You know, it made perfect sense for the LGBTQ real estate Alliance, a real estate organization would assist, you know, a nonprofit center that supports LGBTQ youth find homes. So we're donating every single penny that there is to be had to their cause. There will be no commissions whatsoever. And uh, we're just so excited to get the word out about their uh, coming home to Idaho and for the youth out here that are looking for a space because it's non-existent at the moment. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about religion and families at the intersection of the LGBTQIA plus community, and it can be really challenging on people. I know of at least two friends that I had um, in Atlanta at the time who, then uh, this was a long time ago, but they had some real challenges with their family and their faith. And I think at least one was excommunicated from the church or what have you. And maybe things have changed in that church now. But uh, it's really heartwarming to hear that there is a place in Idaho for people who maybe either are still of that faith or are no longer of that faith for whatever reason. Um, They have some support there. Yeah, and their motto is no sides, just love. So they'll do... Uh, They'll have uh, families come in who maybe their kids have come out or they're questioning. And so they can support a family of people, their parents, and have a support. They call them support circles, which is really at the end of the day, what we all need is support Mm -hmm. in all factions of life. And it's really the stories that they've shared. I think last year they said that they administered 4,500 therapy sessions. Oh. Oh, my gosh. You know. That's an amazing number of conversations that are being facilitated to support mental health. And that's huge for our youth, which is our future. And you said that was just last year? Yeah. Yeah. So even, I mean, I think about COVID and the mental health toll, that's taken on like literally everyone. And then to have Mm -hmm. your like housing instability thrown into that mix, like, like I couldn't imagine 
yeah. So, uh, yes, I'm glad they have some people to talk to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's. Yeah. And I, I imagine they're looking to expand to all communities that yeah. are in need of space. So if there's anyone out there oh. that needs, you know, um, a, a shelter in their area or any space of that nature, I'm sure Encircle would be interested in, in, in having a conversation. And that's beautiful. I need to Google Encircle Minnesota and see what's up. Um, and then you also have another one listed here, Inclusive Idaho. Can you tell us about Inclusive Idaho? Now, this is a little different from Encircle. Yes. Yeah, so Inclusive Idaho, within sort of that realm of, of nonprofits and fellow you know leaders here in Idaho that are just paving the way for impactful change, is Inclusive Idaho. It's a nonprofit that's run by, um, formerly it was two... Tw- Black twin sisters who I think oh. one has she's like gone to, moved on to something different because the nonprofit world can be tough, but she's still like sure. an advocate for everything. But uh, they have done amazing work to support the African American community in Idaho. They, I want to say, last year was the first year ever that there was Black History Month flags in downtown Boise, oh my and gosh. this group went through everything to get it approved, and so. I had reached out to other affinity groups and nonprofits here in the area that, you know, I knew were going through tough things and, um, you know, wanted to know how I could support them and, Hmm. and their, you know, their people that they're serving because of my field of housing. And I just grew really closely with them and I get, you know, a handful of, of people who will reach out from inclusive that say, we've got a couple who's looking to move to this area and they want to have a conversation with you to understand or to feel supported and not feel like they're going to experience, you know, um, discrimination. And so yeah. to be in that role is like the highest honor and form of compliment that I can receive as a realtor. Because, again, that goes back to what it means for me to do my job right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're working with them constantly to support that education piece uh, of financial literacy and you know we equally go to each other's events and it's just it's one of those things that's so fulfilling to see uh the growth and the um the impact that they're making in idaho that's beautiful good i um i think about the homogenous state that is idaho apparently and Mm -hmm. uh how difficult it would be to be a black person living in Idaho in February and be like, hey, where are we all? What are we all posting on Black History Month? Or what are we doing on Black History? Yeah. And for, you know, everyone who's lived there, like, let's say I was the first black person there to be like, oh, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't think about it. We weren't prepared for this. <laughs> yeah. And that's why as simple as having a flag up is yes. it's such a huge step. Like, we have mm-hmm. so much work to do, but at least there's some sort of, uh, messaging out there like the city of Boise is behind sharing that message and in support of of what we can do as a community to better support yeah. the people that live within our community whether we whether we see the representation of it or not yeah um, okay I love that uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more about education because I was doing some googling and came across an article or maybe you sent this article to me and I have a quote from Tom Wheeler himself, 
Mm. Uh, we are also developing educational courses with other local nonprofits for realtors in Idaho from a local perspective to teach about implicit bias. In a largely homogenous state with mostly white people, there can be a lot of bias that hurts LGBTQ plus and minority groups who are looking to buy or sell a home. So what is some of the work that you are doing in uh, developing these educational courses? Is it Professor yeah. Wheeler now? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny is um, the, the group of people that I'm working with to develop these courses are mostly attorneys and university professors. So I'm the oh. one realtor of the group, which is so <laughs> funny because I'm like, you know, I, we're developing the course for realtors. And so I wanted there to be like a realtor perspective because, again, mm -hmm. so much of the traditional education is very like, you know, you, you take the course and you pass a minimum score and then you get your CE requirement and you move on. And so for a lot of people, it's not something that they view as a way to elevate their business and the way that they serve their, their communities. And so working with Boise Regional Realtors, uh, local uh, universities and mm -hmm. some nonprofits, we wanted to craft a fair housing course that was true to the experiences of the people in the community versus like a, a definition base. You know, I, I've taken a variety yeah. of courses, uh, one of which is put on by National Association of Realtors called uh, At Home with Diversity. And believe it or not, it was, again, a pretty homogenous group. And it was led by a white instructor, which, you know, she did a great job, but it just felt like we're kind of going through definitions and we get like this designation that we've taken this at home with diversity course because we've passed the, the quiz. But like, how can we learn about truly with the effects of these these things that have happened in our past um, from people who both experienced it, who are in the business? And so we brought together different stories of people in the community. Um, we brought together um, different nonprofits to add to the educational course for realtors to say, here's what I can do to get involved. Like, here's a tangible versus, you know, taking the course and then passing the course. Like, what can we do to offer these people something that they can apply to their business and have it be consistent and, um, you know, really grow their business fairly and equitably? Oh... Tom, I'm obsessed. <laughs> I love I love that you're doing it. I love the way you're going about it. I love the communities that will be served by this work. That's fantastic. And um, we talk a lot on here about making sure that your values and your actions are aligned. And so, you know, at the top of this conversation, we start talking about your values. And now we're talking about those actions that you're taking. And I'm seeing like nearly perfect alignment, um, which can be really difficult in this capitalist system that we're in because you are, you know, you're in business, right? And it does make financial sense for you in a, if you're in a homogenous community where no one is advertising to people who traditionally have more money um, <laughs> to, right. to just leave that money on the table, uh, good on you. Good on you. And so I wonder, um, like, how are you, I guess, how do you transition from that education piece to the business piece when you are speaking with 
or working with those communities um, or not the communities, but the nonprofits. Do you, do people generally come to you? Do you just present yourself and you just like let them approach if they want to do business? Are you um, more focused on advertising? Uh, do they hit you up on Instagram? Like what's yeah. the, what's the way? A little bit of both. So initially when I began the work in Idaho specifically, you know, I did some Google searches and I found some, some of these nonprofits and basically just like, Hey, I want to get together and learn how you're successful here. Like for inclusive Idaho, yeah. they were one of the first groups. I was like, I'm over here trying to build a real estate referral network and real estate education network for realtors. And, you know, I've got chapters across the nation, but here's a nonprofit that's on its own in Idaho doing mm -hmm. insane work. Like I want to learn from them how they're doing this. And you know, maybe there's something I can do to support. And so that originated with some, I think I, on their website, like I called or, or maybe I DM'd on Instagram, whatever it was. And sure. uh, that led to further collaboration. But I think what it looks like is how I do business is comes from the educational piece. So no matter mm -hmm. who I'm working with, I can't help but offer like the education elements like, hey, here is here is what a pre-approval means. Like whether you've bought a home, and I say this to all my clients, whether you've bought a home, many times like you're an avid investor or you're a first time, there's so much value in just getting refreshers. So let's go over the basics to start because I don't want to assume the person sitting in next from me knows what all of the real estate terminology is or yeah. these different things. So I'd rather go through it, start at the base level. And in that approach, I've learned how much people appreciate, hey, like I've done this before, maybe I haven't, but for those that have done it, but I still appreciate going through starting at square one and, you know, hitting the foundational pieces because it's yeah. just a really good um, starting point because it's such a big deal for so many people. Uh, so I think it's doing business um, in that way is kind of like you had mentioned and, and how I feel is really just like, that's just what feels best to me. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want someone to feel like they got to the end of the road and they were in a position where now they can't afford like maybe a mortgage or they're in this situation that becomes yeah. more of a burden than what it's, you know, like that's not the intention whatsoever. Oh, do you, um, so as I recall, cause my mom was a realtor and she would develop relationships with like a loan officer and an appraiser and what have you. And do you find that you had to kind of vet out like, uh, the right loan officer, the right appraiser or what have you. So that when you're working with your clients, they don't, um, get a bad experience from people that you are associated with. Absolutely. And that was kind of the originating idea behind the LGBTQ real estate Alliance is how can we get realtors, realtors, number one, but also lenders, title people, inspectors, roofers, designers, you name it, anyone mm. that's involved in a real estate process, how can we get those people to share a basis line of education and understanding and awareness so that when <clears throat> one party brings in a client, that party can trust that they're passing on someone who's going to take care of them uh, in a way that's um, really conscientious of what their needs are. There's so many stories of people who are afraid to come to the title company and close on the transaction of their home because in their state, which is our state um, here in Idaho, I, I believe in Minnesota, there's there's um, some more flexibility. But 
if your driver's license says that you identify within a particular gender and you don't identify with that gender, but you come to a closing table with 10 people, you know, the sellers, their title representation, the buyers, their title representation, some realtors, and you, you know, title agent asks for your driver's license, but you Mm -hmm. don't identify with the gender that's on the, the driver's license. That's a scary thing for somebody who's going through a transition or that's non-binary. And so how can we expect that person to even want to buy a house if that's the experience that they've got to anticipate just to sign on the dotted line and own a home? And And that's not us. That's just like we can see how there could be that anxiety. And that's at the end of the process. And so there are so many steps that you have to go through. And we may not have visibility to some of the the parts of the process that cause anxiety to different parts of our community. So thank you again. Oh my gosh, I'm going to close the second segment. Thanking you for your work. That's two notes of gratitude. Uh, Well, thank you for facilitating this conversation and allowing me to, to, to share with you and, and um, about this because again, in listening to past episodes, like this is so important, you know, to be able to have conversation and share that, you know, so thank you. Well, I certainly agree. And you're welcome. And I do. Um, I also have the thought that I really appreciate that even though it's um, like LGBTQ Real Estate Alliance, uh, I find that uh, our LGBTQ community really stands in solidarity with other historically marginalized communities. And what I was hearing from the educational pieces um, that might be LGBTQ specific it sounds like they will extend to other identities as well. And so uh, you might be having even more of a benefit than you are immediately aware of uh, in the work that you're doing. So thank you. Ha ha. I said thank you last. And now we're going to go to coffee break. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we are back with Tom Wheeler from the Wheeler Group and Home Found Boise dot 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 in idaho <laughs> and we've reached the final uh part of our conversation where i always ask what someone listening can do to support you and as a business person i have an idea of where this is going to go but i still want you to give the, sh- the spiel anyway yeah well yeah i think most importantly would be to you know if you're out there and looking for a home or you maybe you're not even looking for a home you're renting now and you just want to dm me or text me or give me a phone call and ask me any question because there's no such thing as a dumb question um i'm happy to answer the phone um you know i think that's something that really separates me from the thousands and thousands and thousands of real estate professionals Mm. in the field is that I'm not looking for the person who is ready to buy tomorrow and pre-approved. I'm, I want to find the person who is invested in doing the work and educating themselves uh, to you know, eventually find wealth through real estate, whatever that path looks like. So that would be you know, kind of the, the obvious. Yeah. Um, but second, in regards to the nonprofits that I'm supporting, both in Minnesota and in Idaho, you know, if you're an LGBTQ real estate related professional, whether that's a realtor, an appraiser, a lender, or you offer any sort of service that benefits anyone in the real estate segment, we'd love to have you as a member to one of our 50 chapters across mm-hmm. the nation. 
Uh, you'd be accessed to a consumer-facing uh, profile website where your profile would pop up. And if someone is looking for a stager in Cincinnati, your profile mm -hmm. would arrive and they can communicate directly with you. But it would also be present to fellow members and professionals. So I would say, you know, if you're in real estate uh, and you are not yet a member to the Alliance, we'd love to have you. Now, what are your socials? So my personal, I have a couple. My personal Instagram <laughs> is TomWheeler266. My uh, business located in Minnesota is Wheeler Group RE. And my business in Minnesota is Homefound Boise. Okay. Now, uh, we, we, in the kind of the same way that we always end up talking about discrimination on this show, we're also talking about COVID on this show. Uh, it really kind of flipped the table for a lot of people's lives. And when you were first describing your two businesses, I was like, Idaho and Minnesota. <laughs> but <Yeah>. why? <laughs> right. And so it sounds like COVID was a part of the reason why you ended up in Boise. And I think Boise is one of the fastest growing cities in the country right now. So how, were you, it was COVID part of the reason that you ended up in Idaho or? Yeah, yeah. So crazy? COVID okay. presented different <laughs> opportunities. I mean, it, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but I was um, traveling and um, ended up meeting my partner in LA and he's originally from Boise. So we took a quick little road trip out to Boise thinking, you know, shut down. We'll see, you know, L.A., there wasn't a lot you could do. And so mm. Boise being the vast landscape that it was, we took a road trip and ended up staying. And with that, I was able to bring on some really integral and important people in Minnesota to support my real estate team there who were able to facilitate the real estate activities that I wasn't able to. And it was yeah. done in a way that was safe. You know, I was not quarantined and I also with the context of restrictions and such it just made it so much simpler to have someone who was quarantined uh, who was on the ground in Minnesota when I wasn't um, and so that kind of gave me the realization that wow I, I can do both things are virtual now um, where we utilize Uber and we utilize Airbnb and all these different services so I was able to offer my clients both in Minnesota and Idaho the Uber equivalent hmm. of showing homes. So if you have a, if there's a property down the street that you want to see, I can have someone there that will open the door and give you an informed tour. And then I can jump on a Zoom call and go through the statistics and the numbers and all the details that are involved in taking that a step further. And so that was cool. really what was facilitated through through the, the obstacle of COVID. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. I, um, I didn't know that you were doing that. But I, what I did hear, um, and that maybe we, I didn't connect in our previous uh, parts of the conversation, is that the education pieces that you're uh, presenting in Idaho also apply in Minnesota. And just because we have laws that protect us a little bit more in Minnesota doesn't mean that the discrimination doesn't happen. And so, you know, there are actually two opportunities for those of us in Minnesota or those of us in Idaho to work with Tom um, and to have a really wonderful uh, home buying experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's so true. I think 
I've ha- I have a I have ample experience representing LGBTQ people, and so I'm very aware of, you know, in presenting an offer where there's two what seem to be male names or two female names or mm-hmm. different you know things that show up on a contract. Um, you know, I'm very versed in having a conversation with a listing agent because I'm the one crafting the educational courses around fair and equitable housing, and in contact with the people who, uh, you know, more or less uphold those standards um and the other thing is there's things in real estate where we'll do like love notes to the seller you know in my business we don't do those i don't look at them when i receive offers for my seller because those are discriminatory and Mm. we're working in all the different states are working on removing those because there's so much uh low-hanging fruit in terms of how you could discriminate if you're sending hey here is me and my husband and my kids and That's we really true. love your house and we want, you know, and here's a photo of us. You know, I have a process in my businesses where we don't look at those. We ask uh, buyers do not send them. And with my buyers, I don't send them equally because we want everyone to have a fair shot at, you know, making an offer. And that just yeah. comes down to the offer and not the, the pieces that are, you know, not related. So. Oh my gosh. Now I'm like, did I send a letter on this house? I don't think that I did. Woo. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for bringing that up. I never um, looked at that practice through that lens before. And so uh, that's very helpful. I'm always learning. uh, And that's, that is received. So thank you for that. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, okay, everybody, that's going to be the end of our episode here today. Tom, what a fantastic conversation. Thank uh, you so much. I love it. Thank you, Jerome. I, w- I was joking, like, well, on our break, we could just, does anyone have some more time? No, I'm just <laughs> but it, it's, been, it's been amazing. And again, I just think it's so awesome for the opportunity to just share this conversation with more people, even if it affects one person. Um, that's change. And so thank you for creating that space, holding that space, and for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. And I didn't even get on my soapbox as much as I was afraid I was going to. So high five to myself. Thanks, Tom. And bye, everybody.